Trigger warning. The podcast you're about to listen to may contain sexual and violent acts committed against men, women, and children. If such acts offend you in any way, please do not listen any further. This podcast was made for an audience of 18 years and older and contains mature and explicit content. Also, this podcast may also contain a high level of profanity and explicit language. If such things offend you in any way, shape, or form, please do not listen to the podcast any further. This is your last trigger warning. If anything that I mentioned above offends you, please do not listen. Thank you. Warning. The cases that I talk about here are under the assumption that the individuals that are accused allegedly committed these crimes unless they have been convicted in court for the tri- for the crimes that they have been charged with. This is by no means me making any kind of accusations whatsoever. I am simply commenting on news articles and stories that have been shared with me through individuals who may or may not have experienced these said stories. This is not fact. This is purely my opinion. Unless they have been through court and they have been convicted. Please understand that moving forward. Thank you. Hey everybody. This is Jeremy with the Man Apart Podcast, Episode 17. Living with My Monster, Part 3. Interview with Mo David. So, after I did the interview with Amanda Henry, Matteo Conalusi's uh, daughter, Mo, Miss Laura, and a few others reached out to me and wanted to wanted to also share their stories after they heard Amanda's interview. And so I got to, you know, all, all this time since that interview, I got to talk to Mo and learn more about her. And the the interesting part about her story is that from what we believe, she is the first of Mateo's victims. And uh, being that she's actually the oldest niece in the family, and um, she can really attest to how brutal this man is. Being that not only was that he her uncle, but she know she she gave me an insight onto the Condalusi family as well. So you're about to hear an interview that I'm going to have with her. Um, Unfortunately, with schedules and everything, we are going to be pressed for time to get it done. But we will have it done, and if I need to go to part two later on, that's what we'll we'll have to do. I want to give. I do want to say though that um, a lot of immense respect I have for Mo because she is a very wonderful lady, very loving heart, and uh, how she dealt with this trauma in her life. Uh, it could have went a million different ways, and she she chose a more positive aspect. Whether whether it was just because of sheer will and mental fortitude, or or just how the, how it, all the you know how the dominoes fell, um, and not to not to belittle or or downplay or, or or degrade anybody else's experiences that they had with with, with Matt Mateo, it just uh, it's another perspective. It's another unfortunately sad story that you're going to have to hear, and you should hear, and you should listen to it because it does display the level of just inhumane degradation that Mateo gave to his victims 
and the type of monster he really was. And like I said in my previous episode, I don't understand what the DA Brenda Beadle and Russell Bowie uh, was smoking that day when they were convicting James Fairbanks. Because the more I talk to Mateo's victims and the more I talk to people who knew James, it, it just it, it baffles me. So I'm not going to do a half hour long intro to this, but I, I could for, for Mo because she just, just like Amanda, just like Miss Laura, just a wonderful person and full of love, full of compassion, um, more understanding and empathy than even I have. And man, I, like I said, I could, I could talk for days about these people because they are wonderful and I, I'm glad to be in their life. I'm so thankful and honored that they want to share their story with me and not just me, but the rest of the people who are listening. I, I mean, it's just, like I say, I can't say enough good things. Uh, a lot of love for these, for these ladies. And I, like I said, just love. It's what I got in my heart for them. And this is what it's all about. Y'all. It's not about hating on pedophiles. It's not about that. Oh, you know, they all deserve to die and everything, which that's one aspect of it. I'm more or less, at this point in my life and probably moving on forward, it's about the victims, y'all. It is about these children that had their innocence robbed from them in brutal ways. And you need to listen to this. You need to hear how rough this is because it ain't all sunshine and rainbows like it might be in your life. You know, some of us are lucky. A lot of us are lucky enough to have a good childhood experience. Even though we might have flaws in our families and whatnot, um, I know myself personally, I didn't have any, anything to this level happen to me as a kid. And I'm so fucking thankful for that. Um, it, like I said, I just, wow. You're going to see what I see. You're going to hear what I hear when I, when I talk to Mo. And you're going to understand why I feel the way I do about her, about Amanda, and about Miss Laura. And why I feel the way I do about Mateo. And Jane, and why I feel James Fairbanks should be freed. She's going to tell it like it is. And just, if you know these people in real life, because some of y'all are, are listening, are from, you know, are, we're from the support group. And I appreciate the listens that you've given. Just reach out to them when you hear this story and just give them some love. Just tell them, hey, you know, t- tell them, you know, that 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 you're that you're thankful that you got to learn this perspective from them, and that you got to know the truth from their eyes. Give them support because they all need it. Show them that you care. Show these victims that you care, y'all, because they a lot of them feel like we don't. And when I say we, I mean people that have never went through these type of experiences or quote unquote normal people right um so no, enough of all that blowing smoke up blowing smoke up y'all skirts uh let's just get into it let's dig into it here's my interview with mo david i love y'all hey mo hey jeremy how are you you're doing good how are you doing today sweetheart i'm okay oh so i just gave you a Pretty decent, pretty good intro, and everything like that. Uh, when it, when the air, when the show, when the episode drops, go listen to it. I think you'll cry a little bit. But I, uh, 
you know, I know this is going to be a rough subject to talk about. And I know that it's, you know, I, I, I want to tell you right now, just off the, just from the start that I appreciate you sharing the story with me. We've talked about it on the phone numerous times. And I just want to tell you, I'm just like with Amanda, just like with Miss Laura, I'm honored that, that I'm in y'all's life and that y'all have allowed me to come into your lives and that you're, that you are willing to share these stories with me and to let others know as well. Um, man, it's just, like I said, a lot of love for y'all, but I know we're on a little bit of a tight schedule. So let's start from the beginning of, from when you, I guess, from when Mateo first started to uh, offend against you and everything like that. Um, I, I believe, if I'm correct, you were his first victim, right? Um, no, I was okay. not. Okay, so that's where I was mistaken. All right. Yeah, I um, was not his first victim. Um, I was six years old when it happened for the first time. Okay. Um, it, I was with all of the other kids, my cousins, uh, my cousin, Maddie, my cousin, Joey, um, my cousin, Eva, his other daughter, who's no longer with us. Um, we were all at my uncle's house and I was in the bedroom with all the other kids sleeping. And he came into the bedroom and he took me out of the room by myself while the other kids were sleeping and took me into the living room and made me perform oral sex on him at six years old. Um, I, I remember that he had ejaculated in my mouth and I went to spit it out because I didn't know what it was. Yeah. And he held my mouth shut and he told me that I was needing to just understand that this is how it was going to be. And that if I told anybody about what had happened, that it would get a lot worse than it was right now. And I, then he took me back into the bedroom and he told me to go to sleep. And so I crawled up next to my cousin, Maddie, and I was crying. And in the morning when I woke up, I got up out of bed and all the other kids, you know, were running around the house. Everything was great. And then there was me in a corner by myself because I didn't even know what to do. And nobody noticed the change in me. Nobody noticed after that day that something was different. And I think that's the hardest part. Yeah. I, it, God, what a monster. What a fucking monster. I'm sorry. I, oh. I got a picture so, a couple months back. And it was of me in front of a fireplace with a monkey. And that, I remember that picture because it was that day in that house by that fireplace that I experienced my first moment of abuse from him. And I kept that picture 
believe it or not. I did keep that picture because <clears throat> I think that part of the way that I've been able to heal is by just dealing with what happened and facing it head on. And I put the picture away, but I kept it because it is a part of who I am. Yeah. Sadly enough. <laughs> When, where were y'all living at at the time? Like, where was like, where was Mateo? Like, what state was he at at this we were, at this we time? We were in California. We were California. in California. What was yeah, y'all's? We uh, so was it like just a sleepover that y'all were having that night? That all that happened? No, or? no. Um, we so my mom went out of town often. Yeah. And so when she would go out of town, we would go and stay with my uncle at his house. What was the family dynamic like for Mateo's family and, and your mom's family and everything? Because that was your mom's like blood brother, right? Brother. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> our family is, is quite eclectic, I guess I could say. Um. It was, you know, a lot of in and out of jails with all of the Condolucci brothers. Um, it was a lot of drugs, a lot of things like that. We had great grandparents. I mean, my my grandparents were amazing people, but their boys, you know, they just they couldn't get it together. And some of the females didn't go the right direction either. My aunts and, um, you know, there's there's very few of us on the Condolucci side that actually have been anything but a piece of shit. <laughs> Sorry yeah. to put it that way, but it's the truth, you know? And we were a very, when my grandparents were alive, we were a very close knit family. You know, we, we had family dinners every Sunday where everybody came, all the aunts and uncles and big Italian family, you know, Sundays yeah. were, spaghetti and meatballs or lasagna and all the family was there. I, I um, had a very similar upbringing. Yeah. So you understand, you know, and so you're seeing yeah. these people weekly, irregardless of whether, you know, you're still seeing everybody every week. So. And did they go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Did they ever, I mean, did they find out, like what happened before before James Fairbanks and everything? Did they ever find out any of this stuff that, that went on? Yes. yes. What, what? So what was his? What was like your, your mom's reaction and his brothers okay. and, and, and his, the, you know his, his siblings' reaction to all that? So I was sixteen years old when I finally told somebody about what had happened. Um. And I told my uncle Alan, which is my dad's brother. I was yeah. up here in Spokane visiting and we were sitting on the back of the truck. And for some reason he was asking me questions about him. And he must've knew something at the time that I didn't. And he asked me, he said, you know, is there ever anything that you needed to tell anybody? And I broke down and started crying and I told him, you know, what had happened and how long it had been going on and 
when it stopped and um, my dad found out, of course, and I remember telling my mother and my mom told me that it was probably my fault because I probably wanted it. And I remember thinking, how could you say something like that to your child? How could you think that at six years old, I would want something like that? It's my mom and I's relationship is very broken. And I, uh, I lost a lot of respect for her that day because at six years old, I didn't want anything but to be a kid and be happy and loved. That's all I wanted. I didn't want this man to come into my room every day and take me out and do whatever he felt like he would, he would send the other kids away and make them go to the store to go get candy or, and hold me behind. And while they were gone, he would take advantage of the free time as he called it. Oh, I know it. A monster to say the least. That's not even. Oh, I know. I'm trying to hold back. Oh God, I'm sorry. I know. How long did all this happen for you? Like, like from I know it started age six. When did when did it finally like stop? I was thirteen. I was thirteen. I, I. Finally, at 13 years old, I told him, I said, here's the thing. You're either going to stop touching me or I'm going to start speaking. I'm going to start telling everybody, you know, you you better stop. I'm going to tell on you. And I had been telling my cousin, Maddie, um, his son, of course, because he was my, we were thick as thieves when we were kids. He was my best friend in the whole world. And he knew what was going on. I told him he knew. And there was nothing we could do about it because my uncle would beat him until he was unconscious, face bleeding, you know. So so we knew better than to to test to test my uncle because Maddie just knew that if he even attempted to to stand up for me, he got beat down in the kitchen for defending me one day. Broke his jaw, broke his nose because he knew what was going on and there was nothing any of us could do to stop it. And finally I told him at 13, I said, you touch me again. And I swore to God, I'm going to go to everybody. I'm going to tell everybody. And it stopped and he moved. He left the state of California. Wow. Yeah. What was, um, were your grandparents like his parents alive at the time when, whenever you were telling your uncle Alan, what was going on? Yes. What was their reaction? My mom told me. My mom told me that it, that it was nobody's business, and that it wasn't to be discussed. Wow. Um. Did you ever find out why she was safe? I mean, I, I, I'm not. I'm not excusing it. I'm just like in my mind, I'm going. You know, like why? Like what? What? There, I mean, there's no good excuse, obviously, but there's. You know, somebody's got to have a reasoning for it, but and, and it's not good reasoning. I, I, I'll let you know off the bat. It, so many questions that, that run through my head with with those type of situations as well. Why, why would a, why would a a sibling defend? You know, their sibling like that because that's what they're doing. There was, you know, she was defending right. 
And God damn, I mean, it's rehearing this again is just, it's turning knots in my stomach. And I, you know, but you know what, James, it made me, it's made me who I am. So I, yes. I absolutely, you know, I absolutely 100%, I have accepted it and I've dealt with it and it makes me a pretty damn powerful human being. If you ask me. Yeah. Cause I, cause you know, cause me and you talk, you know, outside of this podcast and yeah. we have a lot of, we, we have a lot of great conversations together and I, I, I just, you know, the main thing I feel for y'all, for y'all that go through this is I, you know, I wish I could just hug y'all and soak up y'all's pain. Right. Like that's <laughs> just how I feel about it. Um, because no child deserved that. I mean, no, no, no child deserved that shit at all. Uh, just heinous, just horrible. It's just a fucking monster is what Mateo is. And I'm glad that people are speaking out uh, about him to let, to let the people know why, you know, like James Fairbanks needs to be, you know, freed and vindicated. Free. Yeah. You know, there was a, a report and I don't know if you have it yet, but there was a psyche val done on my uncle before he was released. I got and. I, I got the court of appeals part of that and uh, I'm going to do that on another episode as well. But yeah, go, go ahead and talk about it. Though. What upsets me is when he was evaluated by the psychiatrist, not only at the jail, but at the hospital, they stated in those documents and it's stated on court records, he should not be released back out into the public. He is a monster. He is a reoffender. He is a predator. Do not release him. And they released him any fucking way. They yeah, knew. Think it, they yeah, knew. It, it, they did. And and it said they even said that they I think they used the term either sociopath or psychopath uh, yeah. for him. Um because just how brutal that he was. And if people actually go research the 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 form the pictures of his younger years, probably the, the same years that he was offending again. Fuck, fuck, fuck calling it offending. He was raping and molesting kids. Yeah. And, you know, he, he was a very brutal, strong man. Like, I oh mean, he was God. physically, he was physically strong. He was so, I mean, huge. He, he yeah, was huge. I, and he lifted weights and he was a big, giant Italian motherfucker. He was yeah. huge. He was scary looking. He had the big handlebar mustache. He was a biker. He he was a big motherfucker. He 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 ran with biker gangs, and like I've stated in yeah. the the other the, the other recordings and interviews I have, I mean, like we found out from Amanda, he was a snitch for the DEA, and so he and so yeah. obviously, if you a snitch for the DEA and everything like that, you're going to run around with criminals. And that's what that's he did. Right. He ran around. He ran around with the like the one percenter guys and everything like that. So he was because in that he had element. Get out of, of jail free card. Yeah. And God, there's so much to it. Get out of jail free card. He, he was such a good, see, this is why he was such a predator. This is why he was such a monster. He was such a master manipulator that he could take any situation and turn it into a way to make it beneficial for him. It didn't matter what it was that he wanted to attain. He could manipulate the situation so that he could achieve that goal of getting whatever it is he was after, whether it be a child, whether it be a car, a house. You know, I can remember him bargaining with a landlord 
I remember standing there listening to this man speak to a landlord as he's bargaining with him on how to get into this dude's house and how to be a tenant there when he didn't qualify. And he was bargaining with him. He was manipulating this guy. And guess what? He got the fucking house. Like his brain, he was a master manipulator. He was working as a ordained minister. He is not a man of God. He is a man of fucking Satan. Okay. He was able to go online while he was in jail and get him a little certificate saying that he was a preacher. He didn't find God. He found a new avenue to be a predator. Now he's working for a church and he's handing out backpacks and clothes. And he has all these single mothers who are down and out that, you know, need a place to stay. So now he's got this shelter thing going on and, and he's got access to all these vulnerable women and their children. Which was perfect for him. Like that's what he wanted. He he positioned himself, he positioned himself to, to be, to, 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 to pray on these vulnerable people. You're damn right. He did. And and because of how how brutal he was, he he was able to you know he was able for so long to to silence his victims, That's based right. on based on just sheer physical fear. Uh, force. Yeah, fear. yeah, fear, absolute, absolute fear. How? So my question. Yeah. So my my questions I got too is. So, I mean, obviously these people are, are, you know, like him, he's a master manipulator and everything like that. What did people that didn't know what was going on think of him? Like, where, where, oh, I mean, thought, what, what, they thought he was attractive. They thought he was a lady. Like I said, he was a master manipulator. So anybody who was meeting him for the first time, oh, he had them convinced he was just a great guy. You know, oh, hey, I'm, you know, I I do service work. I do community work. You know, I'm a good looking guy. Look at me. I'm in shape. I'm fit. Um, I, you know, I got this. I got that. And that's, that is one of the things with that family. And I do call it that family because I don't associate with any of them. Um, When I say that family, I am referring to my mother's side of the family because She's, I'm not, none of that family to me is family. Family doesn't let another family member suffer like that. Family doesn't tell your other siblings and your other family members, oh, it's no big deal. You know, she yeah. probably wanted it. So I, I, everybody on the outside looking in, you know, meeting him for the first time or seeing him out in the community, he really put on such a good front and a good show that you probably, you know, if you didn't know the guy, to be honest with you, Jeremy, he didn't come off as a bad dude. Right. But for people like us that just automatically get that weird vibe when somebody walks into a room that you just get uncomfortable around because you know their vibe is off. Yeah. He was one of those people, you know, but he could walk into a room and everybody in the room would just think he was the greatest thing next to sliced cheese. I mean, and it, it was so weird to me. Women fell all over this man because, again, he was a big, fit, tall, you know, Italian dude. 
Italian men are good looking. I'm sorry, Jeremy. You're a good looking man. Italian men, they're good looking. But and and I think that that was part of his charm, you know, with these women, these vulnerable females is, oh, now I have this really good looking. Here's this buff, good looking Italian dude showing interest in me. OK, why not? Not knowing that deep down inside, he's not really interested in you, honey. He's interested in your your five year old little boy or your six year old daughter. He's not interested in you. He's interested in the child that you have with you. And he could manipulate the situation to, you know, he could charm your freaking socks off. Yeah. Sorry, you cut out for, for a second. It's it's reconnecting. Um so I know you I know you, you, you just talked about how your, your mother reacted. Um, but I don't I don't think we ever dug into it either. What about your father's reaction to it? Oh, my dad was very upset. He, I didn't want to tell my mom. I, yeah. I literally was, was terrified to even tell her because our relationship was already bad before that. So I didn't really want to, to tell her because I just, I was more scared to tell her than I was anybody else. And um, my dad, he, he flipped out. He, he was really upset. He was very angry. He apologized probably a million times, you know, and kept telling me, I didn't even notice. I didn't see it. I didn't. Why didn't you say something like, how did I not know that this was happening? And I kept explaining to him that, you know, it wasn't dad. There, there was nothing, you know, there was no way you could have known. And well, why didn't you say anything? I don't think they understood the, the horror and the terrified that I was to say anything to anybody ever about it. I never thought I was ever going to say anything about it to anybody. I was just going to move on with my life because my fear was, is if I told somebody and it got out and, and something happened that he would come and find me or he would send somebody to come and find me or, you know, because he was tied to a lot of different gangs and mafia and, you know, dirty cops. And, and I mean, he was a very well-connected manipulative individual. So I did fear that me speaking out was going to cause physical repercussions for me. And I just, I was too scared. I was too scared to ever say anything about what was going on. I was terrified. I've seen what he did to my cousin, my cousin, Maddie, there was no way I was going to challenge him. I'm a girl. Yeah. And I wasn't a very big girl, so I wasn't going to, you know, challenge him. He'd kill me. And I, I don't doubt for one minute that had I ever come out and said anything to a police officer back then or to a school counselor or something, I don't doubt for one minute that I wouldn't be here right now. That's just how I feel about it. And I, I know Amanda feels the same way because he used the same scare tactics on her. And then listening to her interview, oh, my God. I mean, it it brought up so much for me. I, I had no idea that the things that he was saying and doing with me were the same things that he was doing to her times 5,000. Because that was his child. Yeah, I know. It, it just second me to my core. Find out, you know, just... <sighs> Like, like, like hearing this, I mean, it, it never, ever, like, 
I don't think I can ever be desensitized to any of this type of, you know, these stories. It's just, no, it, it, it just, just shows, it, it just shows how low humanity can go. And right. I mean, and I'm how not, broken yeah. the system is. Yeah, that too. I mean, it, I got so much anger toward the system itself uh, with how it's handled, with how it's handled these situations and not not to say that it doesn't work in, in certain cases. I mean, we, we know one, you know, or, or, or me and Amanda know one that that where it actually did finally, you know, there is a victory um, that happened, which will be another episode, but hopefully. But still, on there's this so one, few and far in between. They there's are so few and far in between. And the only reason that all 53 of us got justice is because James, James, out of nowhere. You know, he he came and rectified the situation. You know, the justice system has been failing us for so long, 50 years of failing us. And James was done. He was done and had had enough. And after what he saw that day, it ate him alive. And he went back there to go and have words with him. And like I told you when we spoke on the phone, Jeremy, I don't doubt for one minute that James literally went over there to just tell him, Hey man, I know who you are. I know that you're on the registry. I know what you did. I saw you watching those kids. I saw you praying on them. If I see it again, and I guarantee you, just like James said, he charged him because I know Maddie. And I know that that is the kind of person that he is. How dare you speak to me and tell me a goddamn thing. So right. I know that Maddie charged him and James is a whole hell of a lot straw or smaller than my uncle was. And yeah. I guarantee you when Maddie came at him, just like James said, he shot and killed him and he could have got away with it. And, you know, he could have, he could have easily got away with it and went on with his life and, you know, but the guilt he couldn't because he was a good man because he is a good man. He, yeah felt guilty for what he had done, even though he knows he did the right thing, which is why he took this sentence and said, okay, I accept it when he should have said, fuck, no, I don't accept this. I did it for this community that you guys have been failing to do for 50 years. Fuck you. But instead we have a very wonderful man who has children of his own, who is missing out on their lives because he chose to protect somebody else's children. And how sad is it that we live in a society where, you know, yes, I understand that murder is not right, but it wasn't murder. It was self-defense. And he is sitting in jail right now because he was protecting not only those children that day from becoming another victim of his, of that fucking monsters, but he... He went to jail and now Maddie's burning in hell where he belongs and James is rotting in jail when he deserves a parade and a medal. And no, murder is not okay. And I don't condone somebody else killing somebody else. Do I do I condone self-defense? Absolutely I do. Yeah, me too. So I mean, I do. I absolutely condone self-defense and I know how big Maddie is and I know how pissed off he can get and I know how scary he is. So I don't blame James one bit for shooting him. He did me a favor. I would have did it myself. I know he did. 
I, and I, and I, and look, I don't disagree at all. In fact, I mean, you, you just hit the nail on the head and I mean, how exactly how I feel. And like I told you on the phone too, I mean, I, I'm just a regular guy, right? I have no connection to any right. of y'all. Yeah, I, I never had right. any connection to any of this case or anything. The only way I even found out about it was just a random Google search. And right. it, it, it because of what Amanda said that really, you know, made me look into this deeper and, and to reach out to her and to, you know, to give, to give, to give her my support and sympathy and, and compassion to her, my love to her. Right. Because I mean, it, it, yeah. it takes a lot of hatred for somebody to do. And it takes somebody to do something so fucking heinous for you to have yeah. that type of hatred, hatred to be on the record to say, you know, that my father's murderer was my, was a, was an answer to my prayer. Yes. Like, like that, that takes, and that's that, the truth. Yeah. Because I mean, it, 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 cause you, you, you know, you never really hear the, 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 the family of these, of these pedophiles no. and of these monsters, you know, say something like that. You always hear how, you know, yeah, you know, well, yeah, what they, what he, what they did was a oh, horrible he was thing. A good boy. Or not, 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 or having... not even that. I mean, not even yeah. that mode. Like it, it's the, it's like, you know, yeah, what he did was wrong, but uh, you know, that was my family member or, or, you know, that was somebody right. that, you know, I grew up with and didn't do that to me. And so I, you know, there's, there are those emotions that mix in with all that. And I, and I, and I, I do, under, I do have an understanding for those family members and everything. Uh, but you know, this is not one of those cases. This is one where it was no. like, you know, fuck him. Good. I'm glad he's dead. You yeah. know, fuck him and feed him fish. Oh, heads. Like, you know, you know, I mean, it, it's one of those things. And I, I was crying, but not because I was sad that he was dead. I was crying because it was finally over. Yeah. How sad is that? I mean, it's heartbreaking. It's just soul shattering is what and it then, is to me. And then to see James going through what he's going through, and, and he's such a good man and such a godly man. And and it just it kills me because James deserves to be with his family. Mateo deserves to burn in hell. James deserves to be at home with his family and, you know, watching his son grow up and, and continuing to be a teacher and taking care and protecting other kids, because that's what the man did, you know, that, that he worked with sex victims at his job. And so it's, he's a special breed of man, just like you, you know, you guys, you all, you talk about the man apart, you know, how you're a man apart amongst the others and you and James, my friend, you two are, you are definitely men amongst men because it's not an easy thing to take on pedophiles and you especially listening to all of our stories and having to hear us and talk to us. And, and I told you from the jump, when I first started talking to you before this interview, you know, I, I support everything that you do and I love you. And I think that what you're doing is amazing and you're giving victims of not just our case, you know, with this monster, but other victims who, you know, may not have had an avenue or who knows, who knows where this is going to go, Jeremy. But I just want you to know that I think that what you're doing for victims as a victim, you're, you're definitely all by yourself out there, my friend, which is sad, but you are. And you're killing it. You're doing such a good job. And I can't tell you how much love I've ever felt from another human being on this topic because it's not easy. And some days are harder than others. And, but I manage. And then I talk to you and you just make me smile because I know that no matter what it is, you, you know, you can, you're out there trying, 
you're out there trying to raise awareness. You're out there trying to get the voice out. You're out there trying to, you know, change the laws. And it matters to people like me who nobody was there for us. There was nobody for us. So please don't ever stop what you're doing and don't ever change because what you're doing is, is amazing. And I support you. Thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm trying not to cry because you, uh, you're, you're... <laughs> I am crying. What are you talking about? I'm speechless. I just, I, I think, that what you're doing, I, I, lo- I think what just, you're doing is amazing, Jeremy. And I hope that you never stop because there are a lot of us victims that don't have voices and are, like I said, this case with Mateo, I'm one of, you know, already 500 million And yes, he was an awful, awful man that should have been in prison a long time ago and never gotten out for the things that he's done, but he's out. He was out. He's dead. He's gone. And now we just got to figure out how to get James out of prison and free and get him home with his family. Because ultimately that's what needs to happen here. James, he, he's, my uncle didn't deserve justice. He didn't deserve for James to go to jail. He deserved to be cremated and thrown away in the trash because that's what he was. He was a pile of trash and he needed to be burned and thrown away and just forgotten about because nobody gives a shit about him. Yeah. None of us do. Completely agree. Uh, You you pretty much just, you pretty much sound like me just in a female voice. Um, (laughs) Right. I told you you, we're we're one of the same. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, and I, and and that's why I love you so much too, is because you just, you know, we, we, we agree a lot on this issue and I mean, it's just, it, it, like I said, it baffles me. And 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 judge Russell Bowie was thinking those days in court with those trial, with that trial going on and what they were, I question if they, you know, they they should have got drug tested for sure. Um, because I I don't know what the fuck they were smoking, what the fuck they were doing. And and, and I, and I, the the only, the only other, the only conclusion that I can, the only, and it, and it doesn't excuse anything. Don't, don't be wrong. It doesn't excuse what, what, how they fucked over James like they did. But the only thing I could ever think of, the reason why they were so harsh on you is maybe because they didn't want a bunch of vigilante copycats going about and on oh, the no, Nebraska. That's exactly what it was. And and that yeah. was the point that they were trying to make is that, you know, we do not condone vigilante justice. And we are going to prove and make an example out of James so that everybody else out there who thinks that we're going to go and just start killing pedos, which I support. Sorry. Um, yeah. But I, I don't, I don't support, I don't support, I don't know how to say this. I don't support vigilante justice. I do still believe that one day the justice system is going to come correct and it's going to work in the favor of the victims. And James is being made an example of because they don't want other cases like this. And, and, and I understand not wanting more cases like this, but James didn't do a disservice to this country. Yeah. He didn't go out and kill anybody. He didn't murder him. He defended himself. And there's a huge difference between going out and killing and murdering. 
pedophiles because they're pedophiles. There's another thing of trying to confront someone and saying, hey, I'm watching you and having to defend yourself with a firearm. Yeah. And because that's what that's what happened to James. I mean, like, like I, I, I believe I believe you're I, I believe you, too, when you when when you say. Never heard James' side story, but I believe that that. I believe that. I believe that to my core. That's, you know, because talking to you and, and talking to Amanda and talking to Miss Laura, you know, I believe he had to, be to defend himself as a man and a smaller man at that. Um, exactly. You know I mean, like, you know, I, I think you saw the other day the picture in the, in the support group that he had with, with him when his son came to visit him and everything. And clothes and all that. Like, it yeah. breaks my heart uh, to see that going on. And, and I think. So and and like I and like I told you on the phone too, I think that what what James did it op- it started the circle to uh, to give y'all justice. But I think the only yeah. way we can close that circle, close that loop, is, is you know, it, 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 yeah, is when he's walking as a freed man. So That's and right. the only thing I know and and, and there's and I haven't told Amanda or, or Miss Laura or even you yet. Or I might have. I don't know. Um, there's other podcasters who have heard my my podcast and 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 know what I'm doing and they want to and they have bigger platforms than i do and and they're looking into awesome. this and they're and they're and they're like you know yeah this is this is bullshit like is. what the fuck you know and and, and so I'm, I'm i'm hoping that the, you know like i might not be the one that can lead a revolution or anything like that but damn it i'm gonna yeah, fucking but, spark I mean, a flame you, you know it. you you started yeah. it and and now you know you you started this and i hope you don't ever I think you got something here. I think I think you're going to do very well, and I think that you will be able to get some things changed, and and you will be able to help victims. And like you said, if you can just help one person, and you already have, so you help me. So yeah. I mean, you've already been successful. If that's if that's what you're counting as success is is helping one person, honey, you're successful. Thank you. Thank Period. You, you're successful. I'm about to make me choke up. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Um, but I, just, I mean, I it, it's, go ahead. I think you're awesome. Sorry. <laughs> same, same here. I mean, I, you know, I got a lot of love for all y'all and yep. just learn, just talking to y'all and learning from y'all and just, and just all of us, yeah. every one of us yeah. is going to have something new for you, honey. Every one of us. I know. Um, part of me, you know, like a part of me, it, it, like, so part of me is, is excited to meet new people. Because I know I'm gonna find goodness in them, like I find goodness in all of y'all. And mm-hmm. the, the the part I, I dread though is, the, is is these stories, right? The story. I, I don't. Yeah. I, I look trust, and like I say in my podcast, like I say to people, I said, look, I, I didn't, I, I don't want to talk about child rape and pedophilia and everything like that. That's not something right. that a normal person wants to do, and I don't want to do that. But God damn it, there ain't nobody else in my corner of the world. Nobody else is talking about it. Nobody yeah, else I, is bringing awareness to it. No one else is saving kids. And why? And because there, of, that's our future. That's our I, future country. That's our future presidents, Congress members, Senate members, police officers. Why the hell are we not protecting these kids? That is our future generation. Why are we not protecting them? I'm so confused. I, so, from somebody that never experienced what what y'all what y'all went through, right? Somebody that never really went through that type of trauma. I'll tell you, it's, it's, you know, it's unsettling. It's, um, it's hard to hear that. I mean, it's, it's, it really right. is just, just to hear, I mean, you know, granted, you know, you know, it's, it's even harder for, for y'all going through it, but 
and I, I'm, I'm not making any excuses for me or for anybody else in, in, in society at all. I mean, it's, it, this is, this is sick shit. This is like so sick. Like this is something that you would think like, like a sick individual individual would, would, would think of for a movie. Right. You, 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 you right. think this, this is so, you can't believe this is stranger than fiction. Like that's how, that's how, that's how I can describe that feeling. And, and, but and it's good, real life for some of it, us. It is. It's real life. It's real trauma. It's, you know, it, yeah. it, 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 it's, it's what they went through. I mean, the, you know, and for, for us, quote unquote, regular people, normal people, whatever you want to fucking call us that, that, that are non-victims, um, right. you know, it, 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 it's disturbing to hear this. I mean, this is not something you bring up in, in polite conversation with people and, you know, and, and it's not something that you, that you go discuss around the dinner table with, with your, with your friends no. and family and whatnot. Because this nobody isn't. wants, nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody, yeah. nobody wants to put what's going on to these innocent children as a forefront. Nobody wants to stand up and be a voice for these kids. Nobody does until you came along. Thank you. Um, I want to say that I talked, so I talked to people individually a lot uh, in my life and there's a lot of men in my, in my life that I know, like a lot of guys who are fathers, even grandfathers, uh, just friends of mine, people I know that they hate this shit they are sick of it oh, yeah. and what it what it is is that they don't know where to start right they don't know what right. to do and and, and I, I think i think that plays a part of it as well like you know that in their mind there's all these organizations and there's these groups and there's these these agencies in our government that that they they, they were taught and raised to believe that are, are protecting kids and it's coming out you know in the news a lot lately especially no the fuck it isn't CPS, CPS and D, DCFS, they're not fucking keeping, you know, they're, they're not having a great track record, especially out here in Baton Rouge. They're not protecting uh, and, kids. No. I mean, I'm finding out that they make commissions off of kids whenever they get some, whenever they get a, whenever they get a kid out of a house and get them adopted. Like, what well, the are fuck? Are you serious? Yeah. I mean, they, they the like, fuck? Uh, TikTok well, you're, get, is, you're getting paid to house a child. Wow. That's fucking no, not, cool. No, not house a child. Not how, not house a child. Adopt them out. Child, yeah, to adopt them out. To get a child out of a right. home. To give them a home. Know, yeah, to to get them out of a home to put them in a home. Right. Like they get to they get, get commissions on that. Yeah, they get commissions on that from the state. That's disgusting. They, yeah, that's disgusting. That's why. That's why you'll see how. That's why you'll see CPS uh, workers. Not all of them. I, look, I'm not going to say it's all of them. I'm not going. You know. No, I every don't. organization. Yeah, I, I think we can all can, can agree. Every organization, every group, has every a, has whatever, a downside. Yeah, yeah, and it has their assholes in it, right? And and the yeah. assholes that that are that are those assholes are doing the most harm in each of these organizations. Um, it, it's it's just it's it's unreal. It's it's horrible, and you know a lot of these guys think that well you know some you know there, there's people out there to help these kids no there fucking isn't we're it there like, that's it, it though we, we are we we are their fucking hope we are their fucking this help and I, I, you know this, yeah. this this ain't yeah this ain't me with a god complex or anything like that i'm just a like i no. said i'm just a normal average joe you know joe blow guy off the street i mean i you know right I, fuck, fuck i drive trucks for a living i you know I, I i me and my wife watch dogs and everything like that i, I never right. thought my life was going to go in this direction but I've always had that hatred for pedophiles. But then, like like I've said in my podcast, like I've told you, I had to reexamine why I had this hatred for pedophiles, and it's y'all, and it, and it's, it's 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 you it's, it's you you survivors, you know, y'all story, and it breaks my fucking heart. And I, 
like I said, if I could hug you and soak up y'all's pain, I would, because it, it that is not something that y'all should have went through. That is not and who real men that. are. That real men don't do that. Real men don't fucking hurt kids. They don't fucking beat on women. That you know, that's what I was taught. Right? That was my grandfather's right. uh, role model. Right? Like, like that was what my grandfather taught me, and was what what my stepdad taught me, and everything like that. They don't fucking hit women and kids. You 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 don't hurt children. Like you don't fucking do that. And a lot of men feel the same damn way, and they just don't know how to go about it. And then nowadays, you you push too fucking hard, you lose everything. And I, I, yep. I and you might not go to jail. You you know you might not lose your freedoms. You might lose your job over it. You might you know you might lose you know whatever the case may be. I mean, and and men are providers. They they are protectors and providers. And if they can't right. provide, they can't protect from certain things as well. Right. I think that's what silences a lot of them too. Is that they want to help, they just don't know how to. Fuck it, I'm right. banging the war drum. That's how I feel about it. I'm banging my fucking war drum. You know, I, I told a guy on TikTok the other day. I said, you know, because uh, he he he's what they call, you know, he's he's one of them goons, right? Like he he's one of them guys that want to protect kids and everything. And he he you know he he served in prison for for doing that and everything like that. And um, I said it was like this, like you know, we all have different parts to play, right? We have loud mouths. Right. We have, we have iron fist, and we have eyes like a hawk. We, we you know we 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 speak. We do. We see. And if we all came together like that, we could all help. Because I, you know, I alone can't can't fight this battle and win. I know that. Yep. It, it takes more than just me. But that's why right. I say like that's why I told Abanda, and that's why I told a lot of y'all like you know I, I'm I'm a spark of flame. I don't call me Sparky fucking McGee. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna spark somebody's flame <laughs> and, and, and 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 light a fire into somebody's ass because we need to start having what I call that what, what or what they call down here a case of the red ass. We need to be yeah, able. We to, need to change. We need, yeah, we we need we need to feel compelled, and. You know, Mo, I've had people try to silence me or or or, or tell me private, privately, you know, hey, you know, this makes me feel uncomfortable and and you shouldn't talk about this. Find something else well, to talk about. Well, it should about. make you feel uncomfortable. Exactly. It needs to. How and, do you and, think and we feel? These are not feel-good stories. These are not to, to make you all feel warm and fuzzy inside. This ain't kumbaya, right. you, know, you know, praise Jesus and everything. This is for you to see what, what's really going on. This is for you to open up your eyes and see there's more outside your front door. Yeah, and, and and there's more than go that goes on in your in your church, and there's more than just goes on in this bubble of, of society that you have, where you want to, you know. I granted, you know, you don't want kids hearing, you don't want to traumatize no. children. I mean, this ain't for me. This podcast ain't made for kids, right? This is made for no. for adults. This is made for people who are who are young adults on up. Right. And I just hope that I can inspire somebody to make a positive change in this. I'm glad to see that you know. Despite all that what you went through, it, it it shows who you are as a person. Despite all that you went through, Mo, that you're still a kind, loving, caring person. That takes a lot. I mean, that Thank takes you. a fucking lot. You are strong. I try. I still have you, bad days. I still have but, bad days. You know, there's there's still days that are really hard. There's certain smells. There's certain sounds. Certain songs. There's you know. There's certain things, certain pictures, certain, you know, but hey, every day that I wake up is a blessing and I get another day to fight the fight and um, make a difference in somebody else's life. 
I've used all of my trauma as a child as a way to help others. And that's, that's my goal. And that's what I'm going to continue to do is, you know, be a voice for the voiceless and be an advocate for the, for the people who can't advocate for themselves. And no, I didn't ask for this life and no, this isn't what I had on in, in mind when I was a little girl. However, I, I've learned to deal with my trauma. I've learned to put it behind me. I've learned to use it as a tool and I've gotten very strong and um, I, I turned out to be a halfway decent human being who, who has a really big giant heart. And um, I do, I do feel like I was given this path for a reason. I, I still haven't figured out why, um, but you know, I guess I'm here and this is what we're going to do. And I could never imagine um, another kid that I'm around, another child that I'm around, you know, ever going through something like that because I am very vigilant and I watch and I pay attention to changes and things like that and, and behaviors in the kids. And, and I am the favorite <laughs> because I do ask a lot of questions and, you know, if, if I see a child or, or a teenager who's becoming withdrawn or something's wrong, I'm going to ask questions because I remember, you know? Yeah. And so maybe I had to go through that so that I could save kids myself. And I don't know. There, there's only two kind of people that are going to ever object to you. Everything. And I want to, I want to give you that perspective because it's a, it, there, there are only two kind of fears that I'll tell you. Somebody's asking those kind of questions like what's going on, like if a child's being abused and everything. The biggest fear that a lot of normal parents will have is that, holy shit, like no, maybe nothing that they don't know anything's going on and they think everything's okay with their child and that they're scared that CPS is going to come in and steal their child from them. Yep. It, 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 whether or not they had a traumatic experience or not, they're, they're, they're terrified of that. Right. Right. And the other one is that they're a fucking pedophile and they're hurting that child and they right. don't want nobody to know. So, uh, right. so if you ever, so if you ever in any opposition, those are the, those are pretty much in my in my mind outside looking in type scenario, is what I feel like is going through people's heads, right? Either they're either they're so scared, of, and that's the fucked up part with CPS is that if we were to you know if, if it wasn't so fucked up, like so so happy to take kids out of a situation instead of actually doing you know investigation and research and everything like that and realizing what's going on you wouldn't have parents who were, who were scared and heard those horror stories they would actually be more open and willing to to make sure that their kids are okay and everything like that um right i know I, I, that, that was a rabbit hole i'm sorry you're okay uh, i gotta i, I gotta get off yeah. here though because i gotta I get myself to work i got you well hey look i love you Thank you for being on I here. You. You're you're an amazing person. You're not a halfway decent human being. You're an amazing human being. I just want you to know that. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, look, you go get you All go right, to work. Well, you have a great uh, rest of your day. You too. Be safe. I love you. Bye. All right. Love you too. Oh man, y'all, that was a just a very powerful interview. And I'm sorry that started off that rough. I like I said, this is unscripted. This is raw. This is uncut. And I'm new to podcasting. I'm, I know I'm not the world's best interviewer. A lot of it does stun me and shock me, and I'm trying to gather myself. So I know it sounds like a lot of bumbling and fumbling around. It's just raw emotions at the moment, right? It's like as if you had a conversation with somebody, and they just start telling you about this stuff in your life. 
and it never gets any easier or better to listen to. This does never, this, this never, ever, ever gets easier to hear. I just keep finding more and more shocking stories. Just stories that just twist my stomach up. And just and within the first five minutes of the interview, you, you, you can see why. What a monster. Um, and I don't know, I, I forgot, I know we, me and Mo talked on the phone about it, and I'd like to put it out there too. We know that there's a difference when it comes to the sex offender registry. This is this is one of the stupidest things I've ever heard of, right? If you get caught pissing in public, and I don't mean like pissing in, like 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 showing you know showing you you, you dick to somebody and, and and pissing right there to make them see. I mean like, let's say you go to a bar and you know the bathroom's backed up, lines backed up in there and whatnot, or if you're going to your car and you got to take a piss and you're not going back into the bar, or you can't go back in the bar, whatever the reason is, you go behind the building and piss, and a cop happens to see you, they can arrest you. And you become a sex offender. You can take a piss in a parking lot. You get arrested. You become a sex offender. You become a tier one sex offender. And you have to register. I don't know if it's for the rest of your life or not. But I know you have to register. <clears throat> you know how hard that is to explain to somebody that you just pissed somewhere in public. And that was your charge. And that you have to register as a sex offender. A lot of people don't even know that. A lot of people don't know that, that that's an actual thing. And that it can happen to you. I mean fuck it could have happened to me. You just never know, right? And you're not going to believe somebody when they're telling you that's what happened. I think that law needs to be taken away from the registry as far as that act, right? Now, now, now if you go pissing in, in, in front of a bunch of kids and stuff like that, I think that's probably why they made that law that way because there's probably cases where that happened. But, I mean, come on, man. You know, like normal guys who just don't know any fucking better, don't know the laws – and they did that, and they, they get fucked over the rest of their lives, and th their reputations, their jobs, everything gets ruined for them, all because of that. That's where I do agree that the registry needs to be reformed for that for those type of particular instances. Um, there's and I have sympathy for another instance as well, and some of y'all might because your parents and whatnot like that, but these young guys who who like go to high school with, with these girls, let's say they met, they might've been a junior or a senior in high school and they met and you know, they're, they're still underage, right? They might, you know, they might be 17 and the, and the, and the girl they meets maybe 14 or something like that, you know, a couple of years difference, freshmen and they start dating, right? And they have a relationship and then they get out of high school. They become over 18. The girl's still underage and you know, they have a relationship, whether it's a physical one or not. Things happen. Parents get pissed off and mad. They 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 punish their 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 kids, and so they'll 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 try to ruin somebody's life like that. I mean, it, it you know it could be a love situation. I don't agree that those young men or women should go to jail for that and be registered sex offenders for the rest of their life. And a lot of convicts don't either. Let me tell you something. Just because you're a sex offender, they want to know the story, and they're gonna and they're gonna and, and they're gonna verify that story too. They got people on the outside. They're going to call and, and, and do the research for them. They're going to find out. A lot of convicts don't hurt or hate on uh, those guys who are in those situations because they understand, you know. I mean, it's it's not like you were trying to rape a seven-year-old or something like that or, or, or hurt a little six-year-old girl or something. This was somebody that you went to high school with, you, you that you was, that was your girlfriend, right? Those situations, I can, you know, obviously I think a lot of us can give a pass on. 
Because, hell, a lot of us wouldn't be here today if our grandparents didn't hook up at an early age, right? Um, let's just call it like it is. So there, it isn't just, you know, all sex offenders must die and everything like that. There are situations where there, it's fucked up for individuals, and I agree. I've ran across this week, this last week or so, groups of people who are trying to take down the sex offender registry. And they don't even call it the sex offender registry. They just call it the registry. Um, these are probably the same type of people that would, that would call a pedophile a minor attracted person. You know, I, it, to me, I understand one side of it. Like I do understand a, a particular viewpoint of it. And this is why I'm against vigilante justice. You don't go on the sex offender registry and, 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 and pop, you know, pop caps in these people and pop them off the map as much as we'd like to, because of the harm that they've caused children. It's still wrong. I mean, we have, you know, and I have to say it like that because it is wrong. As much and, and as much as some of you probably are probably looking at your phone right now or, or just looking incredulous because it's, it's coming from my mouth. It's still wrong. I mean, it, it is. It is what it is. I understand certain people's that, like viewpoints, like family members who who, you know, you got people who try to raise their kids right. And they end up doing heinous shit like this. Um, you know, and they lose their child. I mean, that that's their, that, you know, like mothers and, and fathers that lose their, their, their sons and daughters because people want to, you know, want to want to become vigilantes and, and think they're doing a service to the community. So I believe what Mo was saying, and this was James's story, was that, you know, he tried to go confront Mateo. He knew that it was probably going to be bad. And you know, he made sure that, you know, he owned up to what he did. He told, you know, he, he didn't, he didn't sit there and let me tell you about James's character. James is not fighting the court of appeals on this. He's not, it went, when, when they started giving him money, he stopped. He told him to stop giving him money for his commissary. Okay. He asked him to stop because he felt he believed in the just system would see that what he did, that it was self-defense and what he did was right and that he gave those kids, those 53 victims, justice. On top of all that, I mean, he, he took a sentence. He, he didn't take a plea deal. He took a sentence like a man. He didn't sit there and go hollering and cussing and make an ass of himself in court. He took his punishment like a man, like a real man, not like Mateo. James Fairbanks was a real man. And I was just Googling some, some articles and everything like that. Uh, about the people who want to take off the registry and everything, uh, they wrote one about James, and they're they're trying to they're trying to create ways to you know they're trying to tell people ways on how to go report Facebook groups, uh, for 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 as a hate group and everything like that. They're trying to let people know, oh well, they they painted this murderer in, in you know in a sympathetic light, and no, nobody's painting James Fairbanks in a sympathetic light. I just had three interviews on this podcast alone that showed what kind of fucking monster Mateo was, okay? And I've had conversations with people off of this podcast on what type of good man James was. You know, you can sit here and 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 and, and do what you got to do and say what you got to say about, you know, that what James did was wrong and everything like that. I'm of the firm believer with Mo that it was self-defense and that's what it was. I don't think James would you know, had a, wanted to murder Mateo or anything like that. I think he wanted to put him on notice and say, hey, I see what you're doing. You got 
you know, this this was a guy who had, and and this article never even mentioned it, right? Conveniently, this was a guy who had an had no fence in his backyard, right? You you could walk up to his backyard, playground set, no small children living there. Okay, that bullshit about his, you know, for his grandbabies and shit. Fuck that. That's not what the fuck it's for. The fact that when James pulled up to to just kind of see what the situation was like just to watch just to see his house and everything whether you want to call that stalking or not that's up to y'all's you know opinion i'm not i'm neither here nor there on it i mean if i was going to move into a place and, and there was a sex offender nearby you best believe i'm gonna go pass by and at least see like just just do a drop just do a quick glance by and see what's going on and he's out there pretending to wash a car with no water no soap with a bucket and a, and a rag, and he's just staring. I mean, just glaring, staring at these kids across the street. And when when you go on Google Maps and look up Mateo's house, uh, which was at 43 and Pinckney, I think that's what it was. That's what the report said, or or that's the intersection of where it happened at. You and you look at the pictures of his house on 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 the, on the news articles, and you kind of just just glance over on Google on Google Maps. You know, across the street, it's there. Pictures there of a, like a playground, like like a little like a little Tykes playground set, or one of them little uh, enclosed uh, trampoline sets, or something like that. It was some kind of t- play set out there. That's who he was looking at. Those kids across the street, these little children across the street. He was looking for his next victims. Now, do I know that to be without a shadow of a doubt? No. But come on, man. Looks like a duck, quacks like a duck. Chances are, it's a duck. You know, I, I and I don't think, and I promise you, I probably whether you know I could be open to being wrong, but I don't fucking think I'm wrong. And anybody that's good and decent in this world would probably know the same way. You can say what you want about how the how they how the registry uh, affects these these people and everything like that, or the sex offender. I'm sorry, let's call it what it is: the sex offender registry, and how it affects these pedophiles' lives, these these rapists' lives, and everything like that. Oh, woe is me! I can't get a good apartment. Oh, I can't get a good job. Well, no fucking shit. You sat there and hurt somebody. You sat there and raped and raped and molested a child or or another person. What the fuck you think was going to happen to you? You think it was going to be sunshine and rainbows after prison? Fuck you. Because I tell you, I I hear these people that are against the the sex offender registry and these testimonies about how how messed up their lives are. You know, the ones that are falsely accused that are actually innocent. That my heart will, my heart does break for you, and I will fight for you as well. That if you're if you're falsely accused and it was proven you were falsely accused, because you don't deserve that treatment, right? And I know people that were falsely accused. I've heard those stories, personal ones, but way before I even thought about doing a podcast, way before I even did a podcast. And I know it's fucked up. I'm talking about these these assholes that are fucking guilty. That's what I'm talking about. And I hear their testimonies, and I hear that. You know, oh, I can't get a good apartment. I had to live in this in this in this rat infested shithole, and oh, I lost my job. It was my dream job, and I couldn't find any good work, and I had to go do this manual labor job that treated me like shit. And uh, never once I hear him say, you know, man, what I did was wrong, and I hurt people. I, you know, my vict- I hurt the victims that I that I hurt. No, no responsibility for their actions. So I'm sorry, I, I don't have any sympathy at this moment. Would I be willing to talk to these people that want to get the registry off? Yeah, sure. I, I guess I can I can try to stomach and listen to it. But don't think that it's not going to be with my opinion either. You can have your opinion about me all you want. You can say I'm a no-good motherfucker. I don't care. But I promise you this. 
I do not tolerate hurting children. I don't tolerate rapists. It's wrong. And it's because of, of the trauma that these people grew up in and they had and they had to live with. It makes it wrong. I get it though. Vigilante justice murdering somebody, you know, because of because of that. And you know, you're you're you know, if you're a family member that lost somebody because, you know, of the fucked up choices they made to become a monster, I get that you're grieving. And I understand that. I truly do. I'm not I'm not I'm not cold hearted to that. I get it. But here's why I am cold hearted. Your family member your family member chose to hurt an innocent person. I mean, you don't feel this kind of you don't feel this kind of remorse for a murderer. Just like the people who were in this article I read calling James Fairbanks a murderer. Well, guess what? This murderer doesn't, you know, doesn't get a chance to raise his son. What about what about him? Why can't he? Why can't he get the same amount of time that Mateo got, and be out in a couple of years, and be out on good time? Why do you want to make make such a make such a big example of him, but not not but none of the people who are hurting these kids? Why do they deserve to be out in the public then? It ain't a mistake, y'all. I'm fired up. You're right. You damn right. I'm fired up on this. And we can have some fucking discourse and debates to you to these groups that want to, uh, you know, try to paint James Fairbanks and, and others like him in a bad light. There's some that are fucked up cases. I'm not going to disagree, and I'm going to talk about those too. And I'm going to talk about how when, when doing this shit goes wrong and is wrong. Like I said, you know, at one point, you know, part of me does feel like, yeah, uh, public executions or, or chemical castration. And if you want to be humane. Or throw them on a fucking island somewhere. You know, th- there's there's disagreements and there's other solutions, right? Than just, you know, the government sanction, you know, sanctioning murder, right? That's what the death penalty is. It's government sanctioned murder. Okay. What do they do to deserve it, though? You know, I mean, where do we draw the line at with evil in this world? Where where, where are we going to say, hey, enough's the fuck enough? The system ain't working anyway. Right. I'm sorry. I'm sounding like a bunch of rambling and jumbled up, just jumbled up ideas being thrown out all at once in verbal diarrhea. So it's feelings, it's emotions. To these people that want to get rid of the the sex offender registry for these pedophiles and rapists, I'll tell you flat out, um, you need to rethink that because it does a lot more good than you think. While there's people that do evil with it, it's just like a gun. People do good with them. People do evil with them. It's a tool. And it needs to be it needs to be in the public hands. You're completely off the mark and wrong and have no sympathy for the victims of their of, of these pedophiles and rapists' crimes. And you spit on their face. You spit on who they are as people because they didn't they didn't choose this. They didn't choose to be a victim. But these pedophiles choose to offend. They made their choices. You know, they made their bed and they're lying in it. And woe is me, I gotta, you know, I gotta live in a shithole. I gotta live in, you know, in a rat infested place. Well, guess what? Maybe that should be a lesson to anybody that thinks about wanting to hurt children. Don't fucking do it. How about that? How about how, how about you make that an example of this is what happens when you when you molest kids. Don't do it. Where, 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 where's those testimonies at? Because all I hear about is woe is me and how bad's my life from these pedophiles and rapists. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna call them minor attractive people. We've our, our society's already called them pedophiles instead of baby rapers and, and, and child molesters. 
because that's what they used to be called. And then y'all try, then the society changed it to, to pedophiles, and now they're trying to minor attractive people. You're taking power away from the word, and that's not good either. You're not, and you people that are against the sex offender registry, you're not even calling it that. You're just calling it the registry. So you're already trying to take away the, the, the sting of it already. So I can already tell what type of people y'all are. And I don't give a fuck if you hate me. Because guess what? Just because I'm the one being out here on the public eye and being open about it. You know, because I grew it because I've grown as a person over the years. I've learned and I've done I've done things. I've said things. I'm not perfect by no stretch. of means the imagination. I don't give a shit what you find about me. I know. I've been a fucked up human being as well, but I've never hurt a kid. I never put my hands on a child. I never beat any women. I never raped a woman. So I, I don't, you know, give a shit how you feel about me, like I said. But I'll tell you this, though. To y'all that, that want to take down this the sex offender registry, you need to rethink that. Because that's how they that's how they can get back to, to reoffending. That's how they can get sneakier with it. You got these people who are who are manipulating you and who are telling you all this. Oh, I'm I'm a changed man. Things and you know I I can agree that maybe there are a few that might that might. I mean, I, and that's me being very generous, y'all. That's me being me very generous with it. Studies have shown they constantly reoffend. So I mean, what what's more important? You know, an ex pedophile or or an ex rapist's comfort over a child's life and safety. I mean, what, what's really important to you? What, what do you really value in this world then? That's all I got to say, y'all. I know I rambled for about 18 minutes on this. That's my final thoughts on it. Man, what a day already. Two, two interviews down, two interviews in, and oh, man, I'm, I'm just getting started. Well, hopefully by the time you hear this, all, you know, these, these two episodes, these two interviews I just did today will be up and running and ready for y'all to hear. Um, I know I got one for in the future as far as for James Fairbanks' character and the type of man he is. <coughs> Sorry. Didn't mean to cough. I got other stories to tell too. And I got other people that want to share their voice, other victims that want to be heard. And there's other podcasters who are listening and they're interested in, in this particular case as well. And they might they might have a softer side to themselves than I do. Um, I'm a pretty rough guy. I know that, but you'll get to see hopefully in the future and hopefully a, by a better interviewer than me. I definitely know a better interviewer than me that can do this and we can just get James freed. Now, look, I don't agree with vigilante justice, but I think that do, I think there needs to be maybe special monitoring for James and everything like that. If, if, if it gets him freed. Yeah, I don't I don't want that for him, but whatever we got to do to get him freed um, and back teaching and, and protecting kids and working with special needs children and helping with children of abuse from these monsters, the same monsters that want to take down the registry, um, the sex offender registry. You know, pedophiles don't want the sex offender registry. Gee, I wonder. I don't think it's harsh enough. I think it needs to be a lot fucking harsher. I think they need a mandatory 20 year uh, sentence whenever they fail to register. Yeah, I said it. I hope, I, you know, mandatory 20 years, federal prison. No ad seg, no solitary, no protective custody, none of that shit. Go into general pop then. 
Let's see. Let's see how the other fathers that never can see their kids feel about a guy who, you know, hurt a child, and it could have been one of their children. Maybe we, if we need to, stay, you know, maybe you won't offend and hurt children if, if there's that real level of fear there for you. Just like I don't go and murder people because there's a real level of fear there for me, right? I don't go raping people because no, no, no. I shouldn't say not, not, not just because. One thing is wrong. But secondly, if I do it, well, guess what? There's consequences to my actions. So there shouldn't be any new pedophiles this day and age unless the consequences are, you know, tolerable enough to commit such actions. That should piss you off. That should make you mad. That should make you want to change these laws and make them harsher. Because drug dealers get more time than fucking pedophiles do. And last I, you know, last I checked, you know, pot don't kill nobody. So pedophiles, though, they, they traumatize a child for life. As you can see with Mo. I mean, this happened a long time ago for her. And it still affects her to this day. And that's what I'm, and that's who I care about, y'all, is the victims. These babies don't deserve this. And they deserve to have their voices heard. Even if they're not babies anymore, they deserve to have their voices heard. And they deserve to have their justice as well. They deserve to, they deserve to be in a safe environment. They deserve to be supported and loved. That's how I feel about it. So anyway, I love y'all. Y'all be safe. Take care. I've got maybe one or two more episodes to do today. So be on the lookout for that. Alright. Love y'all. Protect those kids, even if they're not your own. I love you. Bye.